And the doors to the pond is closed. Don't Be Coy's mission is to build a community where individuals connect through their shared experiences, developing a larger pond of life. Therefore, we believe in upholding every participant's right to be themselves while celebrating our diversity and maintaining an environment for growth. We value your attendance and participating of every individual at the Pond Journal Club, and we want everyone to feel safe. And for us, safe means for one to feel comfortable, to be vulnerable and share their story during our journal club. Don't Be Coy wants to create a space where all people, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, race, or religion are accepted and respected. Thus, harassment of any deviation is not tolerated. Finally, we want to, you to know that if someone or something makes you feel uncomfortable at one of our sessions, no matter how minor, you have the right to report it to us and we will take action. Together, we can grow our own pond safely. And so let's begin by just saying welcome to the Don't Be Coy Journal Club. We are honored for, by your attendance and hope the experience provides value in your personal life. I am Uncle Lou and I'm a co-facilitator with Mr. Brian Wesley Harrington for today's session. And as a reminder, this is a live and recorded event for those who have registered and will be streamed later at the Don't Be Coy podcast. Cameras are optional, but we ask for you to mute your microphones unless you're about to speak. So to start, I'm gonna pass it on to Brian. Hello everyone, I'm Brian Wesley from Gifted Minds. Excited to be here today to talk about this wonderful topic based on the podcast episodes from this month. And to get started, we'll do some introductions. We'll share our name, preferred pronoun, do a wellness score. Wellness score one to five with one being in, not good, and five being amazing. So I'll start, I'm Brian Wesley, pronouns he, him. And my wellness score, I'm gonna say, is about a, I'm gonna say 3.54 because I'm a little under the weather. I don't know if it's allergies, if it's just, I don't know, but I'm just blowing my nose. I like scratchy throats. I was trying to sing the day in church, did not go so well. So I'm gonna say about 3.54. Yeah. How about y'all? Sounds good. I can go next. My name is Uncle Lou, he, him pronouns. For today, I'm feeling a pretty good four. Not necessarily the most ecstatic in the world because it's cold and dreary over here in Seattle today, but <laughs> overall, I'm doing really good. Had a productive morning. I'm having a productive session right now. And later on, I got some few things coming up that I'm excited about. All right. My name is Irenia Ball. My pronouns is she, her, and my wellness score is actually a five. I took a nap and I feel great. <laughs> oh, we love the Sunday nap. Melvin, tell us what brand is this? I just noticed that the shirt is the same brand as the hat. Let's go. Yeah, so quick. Yeah, it's Teddy Fresh. It's something that I found maybe a couple of years ago. And it, they make really good qual high quality shirts. I just wanted to rep them today. Okay, Teddy Fresh. All right. We're here for it. To get started, we like to always do a little poll question. Just set the tone for the discussion. Okay, first one, which core values do you hold most highly? Health, authenticity, freedom, trust. All right, looks like all answers are in. I'm gonna start with the person who said trust. 
proof that trust? I did. Why? Why that? I feel like one, if I have someone that like I can trust, and if I'm like being in a trustworthy type of mindset, I just feel good. I don't. There's nothing to hide. I can be myself. And if if I trust the environment, I'm actually going to be myself. If I trust the person, I'm going to be myself. And so this. That's one thing that I, I really think is valuable. If I'm in a trusting situation to where I can feel comfortable. How do you know when you can trust someone? Like, is it just a feeling? Is there like a checklist you have? Is it something that they do? That, you know what? I can trust you. I feel safe with you. What is that? It's like a, a series of things. It's like my big three. One, it's like your vibe that I get like all around. And then it's how you talk about your relationships with people. And then also if your social media matches all of that together. Now, if that all like is con- connected, then I'm like, yeah, I can trust you because a lot of people are fake. Yes. Yeah. So yeah I like what you said about your relationships with people. I'm listening to you talk about your friends and I'm watching your interaction. If that doesn't look like friendship to me or what I define it as friendship, loyal friendship, then so you, I feel you on that. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate that. And it aligns with the same value that I was saying as far as authenticity. Mm-hmm. For me, when I think about authenticity, I feel I think about does it align with my core values, what's important to me? Do I feel comfortable at the end of the day? If I can't be comfortable in a particular space, then I can't be my most authentic self. And the same thing for like others, like I want them to feel like they're very comfortable and so that they can show up and be their most authentic self. Cause it's through that authenticity that we get that innovative mindset. I chose authenticity too. I think because I'll be 33 in a few weeks. And so, I grew up, I'm black and queer. I grew up in Mississippi. I work in predominantly white spaces in white female dominated career. A lot of times I just, I wasn't authentic. And I remember when I first started teaching, I remember telling somebody, I want to be able to put a picture of my husband up and our dog and our children, like everyone else does. But when I do it, am I going to get backlash for it or whatever because of where I worked and that kind of thing. And this year, though, I decided to be more authentic. And what I found is I just keep the same vein of at work because I've done it everywhere. But even at work, I've just seen such a benefit for me. I feel freer. I feel more creative because I'm not working hard to hide part of myself and be sure I'll say the right, the wrong thing. And I think it's been beneficial for my kids to see, to just see me show up as authentic Mr. Harrington with all of my quirks, with my queerness that brings so much magic to the room. Authenticity now has just become a, something I really hold and esteem very highly because it just takes much work to be somebody you're not. And, yeah. and where I'm at and put up this facade. And sometimes we do it for safety reasons we have to be safe but man it feels good to just be you yeah so if i say authenticity 
let me ask you this question real quick, Brian. So when you talk about authenticity, like what I was hearing is that it sounds like the value or how you defined it in itself grew more as you were growing as an individual to say, yes, this is something that's important to me. This is something that I want to show to the world. My question to you, how do you see this value playing a role into the transformation that you want to see into your life? I do think it's a series of steps. Mm -hmm. I'm churchy, so I'm going to say it's a series of yeses. Not just one yes. It's a series of yes. And I think I can remember when we met Melvin in college, like, this is not the same Brian Wesley that you know now. That was not the same Brian Wesley. But, like, through the series of yeses, through self-discovery, introspection, therapy, journaling, all that stuff, I began to discover, like, who I was. Like, which parts of Brian Wesley are truly Brian Wesley and which parts of Brian Wesley were like pushed on him by the church, by his family, by the community, by society, social media, that kind of thing. And so as far as the future and church of Mesha, I just feel like the more time I stay with myself and the more time I on I pay attention to when I'm doing an activity or I'm thinking about doing something, I say, you know, is this serving is this bringing me joy? Is it bringing me peace? Is this serving my future? Is it going to aid in that? The more I, ex- the more I examine that, I think the more things I'll learn about myself and it's going to lead to transformation because I'm only doing what's making me happy or doing what's bringing me joy, what's filling my cup and what's aiding me on the next step of my journey instead of wasting time doing what Irene wants me to do because she posted it on her social media and I felt pressured I need to do the same thing. That kind of thing. So I yeah. feel like, like just saying yes to what authentically makes you feel good, or that what makes you, makes you feel good, what makes you feel more you. It, it's gonna help. It's gonna help in my transformation journey. He said a lot of things that resonate with me with trying to be more authentic and not in the shadows of one like my parents, my church, society. I feel like with me being a single mother. There is a lot of judgment towards the way that I live my life, like devaluing who I am instead of getting to know me. So just learning how to stay true to what I want to be instead of trying to, I guess, fulfill society's standards of, oh, yeah, I may be a single mom, but I'm still this, I'm still that. But I'm like, nah, because it's a lot of work, a lot of work. It's time to stop living the life we were given permission to live and live the one we truly want to live. Yeah. It's scary sometimes. Isn't it? It is scary. To unplug from these expectations. I can't think of who said it, but it was like, they were like, learning uh, is hard. Learning new things is hard, but unlearning shit is hard as hell. Oh, yes. So, like you said, just unplug my unlearning what they like force fed us. It's difficult and it is hard, but it's it is so worth the journey though. It's so worth the work. It really is. It really is. Breaking generational curse. Breaking generational curse. Yes. Yes. 
Oh, I love it. I love this question. Do we have a mm-hmm. number? I can't, I can't <laughs> That's right. What's something that bothers you that doesn't bother but bother him? Oh, my This is hard. I'm hard. trying to be like, which one I want to talk about. I'm going to get a little too deep. Go for it. We love it. So we got education in schools, beer, and then cutting off family. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Education in school. Yeah. That's, I put that as an education in school. I don't I know where to fear. start. Let's start. Okay, let's start with fear. Yeah. So for me, I know everyone experiences fear, but it's not necessarily about what bothers me is whenever you let your fear just overcome you and you decide to not do the alternative. A couple years ago, I was told that fear is false evidence appearing real. And whenever I find myself in a fearful state, I always take that in a reminder to say, what exactly am I afraid of? And just go ahead and rip the bandaid off. And since taking that kind of perspective, I've noticed how it bothers me when I see individuals who don't take that chance because they're fearful of something. Fear is very powerful. And it just, sometimes it just paralyzes you. Mm-hmm. Just exactly. paralyzes you. There's um, a whole world. Yeah. I put education in schools. Um, this is where I work. But for some people, are just certain things don't bother them when I'm at work. and But I'm sitting there and I'm just like, about to lose my mind. When I'm looking at the curriculum or I'm looking at the practices that we have, and I'm just like, so nobody else is upset by this. No one else sees the problem with this. Nobody else thinks this is stupid. Right? So it bothers, those things bother me. I also don't like to see students not get all that they need and all that they deserve. I had a young man in my office this past week. The coaches wanted me to help get them across the line as far as passing his classes and so forth. And I've been looking at him. Arena is not like that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, it was last minute, but okay, yes, Mr. Harris is going to jump in. And I look at the young man and I was like, I kind of realized that he couldn't read. And I was like, so you're the ninth grade. Somebody failed you. Elementary all up to now. And you're going to it's going to be a hard road for you because there's not going to always be a Mr. Harrington here to try to help coach you through the last few weeks of school to help you pass. There's not going to always be a, so what are you going to do? And that bothers me that we would let a child get that part. And I know it's yes. that's a conversation for three podcasts in a row. Don't get me started. I was a college athlete at Tougaloo and it was so amazing to see these students pick, I'm going to say everybody's degree is different, but it's like you pick a degree that was not rewarding for what you needed to succeed in life, but it was in secondary to playing the sport. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) no, I do not like when people let that go on because it's, you, you created like, more problems in the future. And you I said about you. Exactly. I hate the school system now. Like my son is at a private homeschool pre-K kindergarten program and now I have to try and Ooh. figure out first grade, but I hate the school system. 
I don't know what to do now. Yeah. As he gets older. It's tough. Because you, you want them to, and I just look at some of the stuff that we teach. And even some of the teachers, I've talked to a geometry teacher. She's parents and these kids don't need this. All this, that topic, now they don't need that. And I'm like, when you, when children can't do like simple mental math. Yeah. Like I watched someone at CBS. They could not give me my change correctly because they typed in the wrong thing. And they just, it was just too much on her. And I'm watching mm-hmm. her just struggle. And I'm right. not a math person. I was an English major. I'm humanities all the way. I am not math and science STEM oriented at all. But I can do mental math. I know if you give me a hundred dollar bill at fifty two cent, and your my total is fifty two dollars, I know I give you forty eight dollars back. That's mental math. There's this poster, like I, I, I do research, and there's this poster and I build it. And it's like the map of mapping, map of math. And it tells like all of like, where would you use geometry? What jobs do you, does that correlate with? Um, where do you use algebra? And like with how that get into research. And it's just like a decoration. But I really like that because I understand, okay, if I'm trying to do like, because when the pandemic happened, we were doing like infectious disease. And so I'm like, I got to uh, like, okay, which area do I need to look into to understand this or who I need to contact? And that's how... We did that. So math, I don't like what people say. Like, oh, you're not going to use this. You never know. You never, you never know. know. Mm-hmm. You never know. I like that poster. And I'm going to try and find I, it for you. I like that Yeah, poster. I'm looking up right now. I'm putting it in, about to try to put it in the chat. <laughs> I, saw an, uh, I saw an Instagram post or video. Something was like, where am I going to use Y equals MX plus B? And uh, like a math teacher came. And was like, if you go into the club, you got fifty dollars, and it cost ten dollars to get in, and the drinks mm-hmm. are five dollars. Mm-hmm. Plug it. I'm like, damn. Yes, break it down to them. Show them why it's important. Show them why it's important. Let them be able to use it like that. But just learn a bunch of formulas to pass the quiz. And I'm yeah. going to, and this person is going to work at, I don't know, be a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, the last one was cutting off family. I'm definitely interested in hearing this. Okay. So I am Creole and Canadian Native American. And when I went to Tougaloo, the, uh, like everything around family was just like hardcore with everybody. And it was something that I was not used to because my father decided to marry a dark-skinned woman. And this mm-hmm. went again. My father's side is Creole and Canadian, Native American. And so because he did that, he was not able to have positive blonde kids past white, like passing. Mm-hmm. And so when I say that, like, I cut off family, I don't talk to my grandma. Like, when I, like, I don't play that. Like, my dad's side of the family, they don't, they have not even seen my son. And although he is a lighter complexion, I don't want them to praise him for that and create like, you know, because that it was just a whole lot of things. But I feel like a lot of people are okay with suffering with family instead of cutting them off. And with me, I'm like, no, I don't got time. I don't care if you're my mama, my grandma, my cousin, my uncle, like great grandma. You could be 90 something years old. You do something. That's against my morals and values. Yeah. 
Uh, people, I hate when people say, they're still your sister. They're still your mm-hmm. father. Okay. 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 And she should know. <laughs> she should know that. Yeah. That's why I'm upset because she is my mama. She is my sister. And they should know that. Yeah. That colorism type of thing runs deep. And that's what causes a lot of people to get cut. Yeah. Yeah. Is that that's something that is big in that culture and Creole and, and that? Yeah. End? Okay. If you like, when we look back into, we could not tell which people were our family because, and like the ancestry.com, they're like white and mulatto. And I'm like, mm, yeah. no, they're not white. But when we look at pictures and my dad was able to identify them, yeah, they are passers. Like my dad's side of the family, they pass as white and they value that very high. And it's just something that like he, he is not addressed fully because he wants to maintain it. But I think all of his kids just was like, fuck your face. Oh, yeah. I, don't know. I don't know if you can cuss, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just be doing that until he tell me to stop. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, fuck <laughs> your family. Yeah. Sorry, dad. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate that because it really ties into that value that you talked about earlier with trust. Can you trust your family to act a certain way around your kid and not bring those kind of colorism and other negative aspects that you don't want to influence your child? And like we were saying earlier, as for stopping those generational curses, Sometimes you got to be really intentional and it's going to be a rough one. And I, I like that. I really see how that trust shows up in your life in different aspects. I'm curious, like, when it comes to your trust, how have you developed it in the sense of being able to be trustworthy of people? I was very naive. Like, when I say naive, I was naive. I was so nice and so kind to others and giving. And I'm a very loyal person. And that has gotten me in a lot of good and bad situations. But I learned that being loyal and being trustworthy to somebody, it's like very priceless. And if you are able to be that to the right person, it can be very rewarding. And so, you know, I give everybody a chance but I always make sure that I allow them to go through a lot of like unknown tests that I do to see, okay, are you a trustworthy person? And if, you know, they do pass it, then, you know, I I give it my all. Like I like anybody that is my friend and I don't have a lot because of not trusting, but uh, Anybody that is my friend, they can vouch that, okay, Irene is, she gives 100%. And I always make sure that I'm there. No matter if we live like across states, I'll send things in a mail, like whenever, anytime you're on my mind, like it pops up. So so if you gain my trust and my loyalty, you're going to feel that every step of the way. But there's been times where people have slid through the cracks and um, I just always have to let reassure myself that one I have pure intentions and they just going through a chapter that they couldn't fulfill the things that I expected from them and 
move on. I done no bad blood, no hard feelings. I don't hate you. I don't dislike you. I wish you the best, but you're not in my circle no more. Like you say, you got to keep the squares out your circle. So I, I totally understand that. Got to keep the I just... squares out your circle. <laughs> Quote. Well, that. Well, that. I like that. Uncle Lou. Like this. Uncle no, that's a song. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. No, I can't take credit for that one. But uh, when we're talking about like transformations and like this whole conversation theme around like defining your purpose, thinking about what those kind of core values are that we have, and then like those things that kind of bother us that we might not necessarily say we need to work on fully, but has opportunities for growth, if you will. And like, how does that align with the transformation that you ultimately want to make? So like for you, for example, when it comes to cutting off family and like having that value of trust, how have you defined what family means for you and building that kind of, that transition or transformation of building your own family or community for yourself? I feel like finding my purpose, I am a planner and a very organized type of person. And where I thought my purpose was, that's not it. So when I find my purpose, it's through like unexpected events. And when I find like people that are, very valuable to me it's through like little unexpected things that have happened and it's like you didn't even have to be there but you chose and it wasn't like you expected something it was just like a small genuine type of act of service for me that was really valuable so I feel like one that's how I find my purpose like through unexplained and God constantly like putting things in my face you better listen because I fail when I think I know it, but I succeed through the unexpected things. So I'm like, okay, this is my purpose. And then, and that kind of works in with like people as well. I don't try so hard um, and people just continue to like prove their value to me and why I should maintain this friendship through just small acts. It could be like just a random text message and I'm like, hey girl, how you doing? Or sending the post on social media, just showing some type of like small kindness towards me. And that solidifies my reason to trust them. I appreciate that. I like that too. I like that. Because I'm an Arena fan. Yeah. Already. <laughs> this Already. And me being that, my truth. That authenticity. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. I love that last question and the conversation because it, it leads us into what the episode is going to be about today based on the three and there were three if y'all have not listened to the episodes Dan, Marvin Dales and Yuri Baker's like they are amazing and handsome too oh my goodness excuse me that was just me but very good episode and, and they talked a lot they talked about three different things there was a common theme of like purpose and mm -hmm. how their work connects to things about their childhood or things that they're passionate about. So that's why I asked that question about what bothers you because this guy, Darius Daniel, who his book, Your Purpose okay. is Calling It, it is amazing. 
He's originally from Mississippi. Okay. And his wife. And, but they live in New Jersey now. But he calls it unique discontent. And he said, like, things that agitate you and then bother you um, may be your purpose. That may be mm-hmm. the answer to a problem. And so the thing that bothers you the most, that may be what you were created to fix or solve. And so listening to you talk about cutting family off, like, you would be, your purpose, if we meet, and I, your purpose for me would be, like, just say, to help me with that. I'm having an issue, maybe you telling me, listen, all the stress you got on you right now is because you're holding on to this person and that person is causing you so much stress, so much so many problems, but you won't cut them off. Let's examine why. Mm. Tell me your story. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, I've been healing. So the things that bother us, I like the way you call it unique discontent because what bothers me may not bother you. You walk into school, Uncle Lou may walk into school and be like, oh, okay, it looks like cool to me. And so we did that old grove. And me and Brian, oh, so we can cool. like, oh, I'm telling no. Look at this. Look at this. Why didn't execute what they prefer pronouns are? Like, are we asking, we were asking all these questions, and Uncle Lou just didn't that It's cool. Right. So, you need discontent. And I like, and I think too, that God calls us to certain roles and seasons in our life. And so, I just thought, I think purpose is like a series of yeses. My life's purpose, I think, is comprised of a, a series of yeses. And I, I don't think we just have one specific job or one specific group we're supposed to serve. I think it's just a bunch of yeses throughout our life that we ultimately see, hey, this was this is my purpose. To lead into our discussion, I want to ask a question. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? We see who you think you are. And normally when we hear that question, it's such a negative connotation. Cause like it's mostly because I'm like, oh, you do cross me. Like, babe, you got me after who you think you are, but no, really, who do you think you are? Because your opinion of yourself is like the basis for your life, like what you experience and stuff. Because if you think it, it's stupid, your opinion of yourself often supersedes reality, if that makes sense. So if I think in my core, I'm poor or I'm less attractive or I'm not qualified for a job, then my reality may be that I'm fine, which I am. Mm-hmm. I'm qualified for the job, but my opinion of myself will send me in this negative loop. It is supersede my reality. So I ask again, who do you think you are? What opinion do you have of yourself? We talked about core traits that we hold highly. We talked about the things that bother us. So who do you think you are, Uncle Lou? Oh, man, I was hoping you didn't call on me first because I sure was like, this is a tough it's one. The it's the print. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Who I who do I think I am? So I do believe that I am a cut above the rest. Mm. I do believe that I have been blessed with so many different favors beyond that I can count. And because of that, I hold people to a high standard, but I'm not afraid to bring people with me. And I think that for me, you know, how that kind of shows up in every aspect of my life is for work or whatever. Yeah, I have my team that I manage and I have a reputation of being a pretty tough as nails manager. And that's because we're here to do our job. We're not here and that they're sick kids. 
Sick kids, yeah. come on. <laughs> we don't play about kids. We, we don't, don't play, play about, about kids. kids. But like, it took for me to get to that point because there are points in my life where I have not necessarily been beaten up, but have been hit by the hammer to mold where that definition of who I think I am. And in those moments, it's, am I going to be a person that breaks or am I going to be a person that becomes stronger through that hammer? And, you know, that's who, who I think I am is just a representation of the not only mistakes and learning opportunities, but the successes that came after that. All right, now. That's beautiful, Mel. <laughs> Thank you. It is. What about you, Irene? Who do I think I am? I think I'm resilient. I done went through a whole hurricane and still here. So that lets me know that only God can stop me. I am the color yellow. I'm bright. I shine when I come into a room. That's a good thing. Always, no matter how many people try and dim my light. I am very community-oriented. That's why I do the research that I do. I want to be remembered by the work that I leave here. And that's what I'm striving to keep creating. And that's who I think I am. I don't know. It wasn't that detail as Uncle Lou, but... Ooh, you say, well, listen, it's the work. And what work do you do? I do implementation science research. There's research, and research can tell you all about the problem. What I do is I learn how to implement the solutions to mm -hmm. the problem, mm -hmm. which is very hard because people don't trust um, white people or trust the medical field, don't trust research at all. So when I be trying to do the work and I'm trying to help, it's like pulling teeth. But I always make sure that I meet the people where they are. That's that's what I, I always strive to be. I love your answer and what you said about the work you want to leave. I like the legacy you leave back. <laughs> I play a lot of funerals and so people always talk about the dash in between the day. What is your dash going to say about you? And no matter how often I hear that phrase, it always makes me stop and think, what will my dash say? What's gonna, what will people say? He was born June 10th, 1990. He died, you know, hopefully 2080 or sometime after. What is the dash going to say? How's it going to speak for me? So I, we thank you for your work you do too. Oh, we thank yeah, you thank for you. that work. We need somebody, especially somebody that looks like us to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we fighting with her. Now I ain't going to lie at y'all first because I, I don't have to take my answer too. <laughs> I knew I a question. But I sure hadn't really fully thought out my answer, so... Just flow with it. It'll come. Yeah, flow with it. So I know that I'm a good listener, and I know that I'm a, I'm a good friend. Like, I'm a genuinely good person, kind person. I think anybody can be nice, but everybody's not kind. And so I know that about myself. And I went through a, a period already where I was not very self-aware in the sense of, I thought of myself as less than in a lot of areas. And I'll, you could tell me all day, oh no, you just let up like whatever. And I would be at like, even at work and people be thinking, oh, that's so amazing. I'm like, I just, I mean, I just 
It was just a little project. Like it wasn't, I just talked to a child. Like it wasn't, but I had to step back look like, no, baby, you doing this. You are amazing. Yeah. And so once I started to realize that, I'm like, oh, wow. So I know those things about myself and I know that I'm not the average school counselor. Mm-hmm. I'm not the average educator. I know I have a heart for it. I have a heart for people and I know that I've been called to empower people and, and help them live their best life. Um, so I, and I know that, and that's why I talk about the, the journey being a, to purpose being a series of yes, which is going to lead to my next question I had because my first job was a number one dispatcher. Oh Lord. Okay. Then I went back to school and finished. I became a teacher. And that's what okay. I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be a teacher. Oh. And then I said, I'm going to be a teacher. And I'm going to be an assistant principal. I'm going to be a curriculum director. I'm going to be the superintendent of my home school district. No. <laughs> I was a teacher. Loved it. Became a school counselor, which was never in the plan. And then now I'm going back to school to get my PhD in counseling, education, and supervision. And next, I want to be able to do private practice work, life coaching, that kind of thing. And so all of that just came about, I look at all of my jobs. Each one of them led, like, being into the other one. Yes. I can use my 911 dispatcher skills that I had to learn to be calm uh-huh. in the moment of crisis. Like, teaching is always the moment of crisis. You just never know what's going to happen. Right. So that helped me with that. It helped me to diffuse situations as a counselor. I've ever used both of those backgrounds for teaching, like everything just fed into each other. So I just want to like, it's a series of yeses. And when I think about who I said I think I am, I feel like it's connect, that is connected to my life purpose and to yes. my, my career job. So yes. I'll ask y'all, do you feel like, because you told me who you are, I read here, you're resilient. You want to lead legacy you're passionate about the work you do mm-hmm. do you feel like the work you do now is connected to your purpose and how so definitely i got this job from facebook a facebook group me of somebody just randomly I've, I've always done research but i never knew but i kept telling myself like I'm telling these people what the problem is, but ain't nobody doing nothing about it. And I kept saying (laughs) that over and over again. And then a friend of mine was just like, look, girl, I can help you find a job. You got to put it in this Facebook group. Did that. And then I got this job in implementation science. Never knew about it. This only been out for 30 years, this type of science. Mm -hmm. And uh, got to meet the creators. And now I'm locked in. And it's a job that actually like feeds me. I like reading like 30 page papers of articles with yes. this type of work. So yes, I, I do feel like if not, a, I do work for the government and this administration, I, I could say this administration has been challenging, but I'm locked in my focus and it feels good because it feels good. I know it's with my purpose. No, I like what that. You, I, like I think that I'm working towards it. I think that the work that I do now fills my purpose in the sense of, I always say that I, I want to be the person that I wish I had. And what I mean by that is being that kind of mentor, being that kind of advocate, having that kind of patience. And I do that 
in the sense of my role on a day-to-day basis but then there's other aspects of me like with the teaching and teaching at the colleges and then even for example just this podcast like all these things fill these different aspects of who I am and so I I can say that I'm leaning towards my purpose I can say that absolutely yay I absolutely and never your level of organization and the passion you take to for like project management definitely is is good for your job. I want to be like you. What's that? I want to like, be like you. When he started doing the podcast, so he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get on one note. I'm doing this." But if I had never right. heard of when I saw this on Teams, I was like, "Oh, snap!" And then it's like, you got a calendar. I was like, "You is a professional. This is Pro- legit. Professional. <laughs> this is real life." I was like, I'm watching YouTube video. How did you use OneNote? Because I don't like what is this. I know I paid for it in the Microsoft Office, but what is it? So you definitely, I would say, for sure. And then the passion you have is like an advocate from your work when you were a lobbyist. Um, mm-hmm. Just think about how that plays into advocating for those kids. You talked about the sick kids. I, I think what you do is beautiful work. Mm-hmm. And you definitely are the guy for the job. I will say that. Go Thank on, go I have, oh my God, I could talk to you all day but it's time to start to wrap up and we like to end with uh, like a mindful moment and today I want to do a mantra I love there's a guy on Instagram YouTube called Hindsight he has these cards these gentle Uh reminders he's a Jamaican Canadian but this card I chose today it says I am not lost I am exactly where I need to be yeah and I just think with the conversation we've had today that this is it's just such a, I didn't know the conversation was going to be like what role it was going to take, but I think it just. It, it was authentic. Beautifully. It was authentic. <laughs> authentic. And trustworthy. And trustworthy. And on the back he says, at times we may question, who am I? Where am I going? What is my purpose? Even in this feeling, you are exactly where you are supposed to be. Remember that fear says, yes. Yes. Enjoy the journey because discovery is a gift. And so that's what I will tell you all. Enjoy the journey as you discover more about yourself and your purpose because discovery is a gift. And remember, you're not lost. You are exactly where you need to be. Yeah. I'm going to need those cards. Listen, hire, like, follow him on YouTube and Instagram. I'm telling you, his podcast is amazing. He is so cool with his mock and his tea and the plants. It's just a whole vibe. And <laughs> cars are so well worth The way I use them is I just get up and two, three times a week, I just pull a car mm-hmm. and I just meditate on it. I just think about it. I think about it throughout the day. And I just remind myself of what it says. They're gentle reminders. And so it's beautiful. Yes, I love it. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's the IG info. All right. Thank you all. Really appreciate your time today. This has been a beautiful discussion. Thank you all. Bye. Bye. Bye, (laughs) y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to this recording of the Pond Journal Club. To attend our next live recording or engage with other content, be sure to go to dbkpodcast.com.